1: welcome back to the common good am 1160 hope for your life alongside aubrey sampson my name is brian Fromm. so glad to have you with us today you can find us online at 1160 hope.com facebook twitter and instagram at common good talk all right aubrey this uh, over at church leaders it got me thinking uh, Eric Geiger writes the other day, but he's writing to pastors. But I wonder if we can pull this out to not just be about pastors, okay, because okay. I, I actually think, yeah, yep. there's a pastoral church element to this. But I actually think this is uh, true for the businessman, for the teacher, for the stay-at-home mom, yeah. stay-at-home dad. Yeah. i the very sexist of me there. It was, the right. stay-at-home parent. <laughs> uh, it's true for all of us. and. Uh, this is this. If you are married, he posits. OK, so if you're married, he says your most your marriage is your most important ministry. Wow. So he's speaking again to pastors. That's why he's talking in terms of ministry in this. But I would pull this out and say, uh, if you're a businessman or woman, your most important role is your marriage, mm-hmm. yeah, that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's why I want to go outside to this. Let me just start really bluntly. Aubrey, do you agree with his assessment here?
2: Man, I—I I mean, you feel like you can't disagree with this assessment. Your marriage, is on most, the other line, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, no, I, here's why I would say I—I I do agree um, that is, it, again, if you are married, most of how you go out into the world flows from how your marriage is doing, That's good. right? So, if you and your spouse are not fi- uh, not talking, you're fighting, there's a conflict, or you're just not like loving each other well, that impacts everything Mm -hmm. but if you feel like hey we're not perfect but we're going strong we're fighting for each other i know this is my person that changes everything like you could have a terrible day in the world but if you know you're going home to like a safe good healthy enjoyable marriage that sort of just allows you to be a little freer in the world if you have an awesome day but you come home to a terrible marriage that impacts everything so Again, it does seem like a foundational truth. And the fact that the Bible tells us that marriage is a picture of the mm-hmm, way God mm-hmm. loves the church. There is something definitely essential about marriage uh being your primary ministry. Yeah, and
1: you might be thinking out there you're like, well, I'm married, but I also have kids, mm-hmm. so aren't my kids at this stage of life and I would say they're an important part. Yeah, and maybe definitely. maybe you could say my family is my greatest ministry, but uh Geiger mm-hmm. goes on to say in this one of his points is this because your marriage is the greatest gift you can give your kids.
2: Wow. Like what
1: can I really Explain. give my kids uh to set them up for success, make them feel secure this and that. Yeah. That's a you know, what What can my kids see? They can see how much I love their mom yeah. and how I treat their mom and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where Geiger goes with this. So uh, then, Aubrey, what does it practically look like then? Again, let's move this just mm. away from just the pastor world. But mm. that's the world you and I swim mm-hmm. in. Uh, but just away from just the pastor world, but to the businessman, yeah. the teacher, yeah. the whatever else how do we prioritize yeah. our marriage? How yeah. do we prioritize the health of our marriage, maybe even to the detriment of our job right. or our other things? because right. There's only so many ways to slice the pie. Up.
2: I, I mean, I, I would say I'm going to speak about this kind of personally, but I, six years ago, Kevin and I were planting a church. Uh, my first book was coming out and I was really, really sick. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease right after. And also I was traveling to promote that book a lot. Mm-hmm. And so With the stress of all of it, we were in major marriage conflict and it just hit a point where the two of us had to say, all right, Aubrey, you step back from traveling and speaking. Kevin, you step back from all the things you're carrying so we can get our marriage in order. Otherwise, like our house is going to fall apart, you know? And so we, we went to therapy for a long time and it saved our marriage. And now we're several years looking back on that, but we have some habits in our marriage like... I mean, sometimes I think this sounds cliche, but I actually think it's really meaningful. Like we have date nights, and yes. we do it very consistently to invest in one another, like fill up each other's emotional banks. yeah, um, it's hard, you know, and I am speaking to people in ministry together, but we can that's end what up we know. yeah, yes. we can end up only talking about ministry or mm-hmm. only being about ministry. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you do like a date night just reminds you, like we were joking about this earlier in the week, but, you're a real human being yes. out in the world. You love each other, yes. and so I think though just that intentionality to pour into your spouse, um, to step away from other things if mm-hmm. you need to, to mm-hmm. say no to other things if mm-hmm. you need to, ultimately allows those other things to thrive.
1: Yep, yep. There's a couple reasons, a couple of ways I look at this. Like Carrie and I went on a date recently, just out to dinner. Right? Yeah. Like it Wasn't like we this it whole wasn't like thing. Wasn't like a show or this. That we, yeah. We went into our town and got dinner. Yeah. Right. Uh, at the end of it. Uh, We had a great laughed conversation. Yeah. It's what happens when you go out, hopefully, with your spouse. We Mm -hmm. were chatting, and I jokingly, half-jokingly, but also seriously told her later that night, I really do like you. Oh. Yeah, you 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 remember. You sort of remember
2: you like them. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. I really do like you. Here's another thing that I know. Like, I love my church. Yeah. I love my radio job. Yeah. I love all of this. Uh, I love my children. Yeah. There's going to come a day where I don't work at Four Corners Community Church. Right. There's going to come a day where I don't have a radio show. Yeah. There's going to come a day where my kids move out of the house. Right. The constant in all of that is hopefully, you know, health, whatever else plays into this. But hopefully the constant in that is going to be my wife. Right. And I want that relationship to be a positive, strong one out of which obviously everything flows out of our relationship with Jesus. Yes. Yes. And I had to say that. Right. (laughs) But but humanly speaking. My life, things flow mm-hmm. from the foundation of my marriage relationship. Yeah, how absolutely. I parent, how right. I pastor right. the radio show, right. all of these things. And I think you and Kevin probably have a uh, even a little bit more of a uh, trickiness to it because you planted the church together. Yes, we did. Like you know, my yeah. wife and I planted church together. But she was never a staff member. Right. She doesn't right. speak. She'll lead right. worship sometimes, but she's like there's a little bit of a distance there, but. Yeah. All right, Aubrey, let's ask the hard question. Okay. You said six years ago, your husband you weren't doing well. Yeah. Uh, someone listening right now going, I don't know what, what you're <laughs> saying. I don't, I don't, uh, th- that ministry is not going well in yeah, my life right now. Yeah. Somebody's struggling with their marriage, but they want it to get better. Mm. kind of where you said you were at a little Mm -hmm. bit six years ago, maybe different circumstances. Mm -hmm. But what would you say to that person?
2: Oh, man, I would say it's worth the fight. So Mm -hmm. if you can, I mean, sometimes we don't have partners that are willing to get better with us. And I understand that's a totally different scenario. But if you and your person are like, this is not working, we don't even like each other anymore, but we want to be those people who at the end of our lives feel like we laid it all on the field. You know, I I do think I I would... only because we benefited so much. I would highly recommend marriage therapy. Mm -hmm. I just would. There's no shame in it because you're married. You should be in marriage therapy period. (laughs) And I would say, I want to differentiate between a, um, like a therapist and a biblical counselor. There are biblical councils you can go to that are beneficial and wonderful. And they, they're under a certain category called biblical counseling. I would actually go outside of that and go to a therapist who's a Christian mm. because it's a different set of tools. And sometimes they know if you need to meet individually or together and then give you tools that you can access for the long run. Um, and I would just say there's no shame in it. I feel like there's a lot, not as much as there used to be, but there's some shame in uh, we need therapy or we Look, Kevin and I are in ministry. We're pastors. You're counseling. Yes, but we have been, I mean, we're going 21 years next month, and it's the best it's ever been. So you can get better and... And, I mean, I know we were kind of joking about this before, but, like, the Lord cares
1: about your marriage. That's right. And you can cry out to God for help, and he will guide you. He will help you. That's right. Good word. Well, coming up next, Vanitha Reisner. She has put out a new guide, a free guide, called Helping the Hurting. How do we love the people and care for the people in our lives who are struggling, who are hurting, who are going through tragedy? How do we do that well? And what are the things we should avoid? We're going to have that conversation with Vanitha Reisner next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm, and Aubrey and I are thrilled to bring back uh, Vanitha Reisner. Vanitha is a speaker, a regular contributor at Desiring God, author of Walking Through Fire, a memoir of loss and redemption. And she's on today to talk about a new guide that she put out called Helping the Hurting. So, Vanitha, how are you today?
3: I am doing great, Brian. Thank you for asking.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you back with us. Hey, for just people, just so people can get to know you a little bit, why don't you introduce yourself? And as you do, why don't you tell us a little bit of your story?
3: Yeah. Well, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, right now. And I am looking outside, and it's a beautiful fall day. (laughs) and i'm I'm just really glad to be here i 've had a hard story as i 've been on the show before, just talking about uh, what has happened in my own life and um, had polio as a child, grew up in and out of the hospital, had twenty one surgeries by the time I was thirteen was dealt with a lot of bullying as a child and was really, really angry at God and wondered if God existed. Uh, why he had let this happen to me. And so I went back and forth between being an atheist and being an agnostic and really being angry at God if there was one. So that was sort of this backdrop that I spent the first 16 years of my life sort of living in. And the anger got worse and worse. Like I was really angry at God when I was 16. And then through a series of events, just basically a friend came to Christ, encouraged me to start thinking about that myself, opened up the Bible randomly, randomly, I say that in quotes because Uh obviously God (laughs) had that ordained, to John 9, started reading about the man blind from birth, and the disciples asked Jesus who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And Jesus said it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God would be displayed in his life. And, And that line, the work of God would be displayed in his life changed me and really is sort of this thread that has run through my entire life, which has included a lot more suffering. I thought my suffering was completely over when I found Christ and just thought you live the right way and you don't suffer. And yet my life basically sort of unwound when I turned 30, interestingly. So I had like 14 years of pretty easy life. Then I ended up having four miscarriages. Wow. I buried a son because a doctor made a mistake on his medicine. Um, he had had surgery, but he was doing great. But somebody took him off medicine that he needed, and he died within a few days. Oh, Vanessa. So that was heartbreaking. And yet, God. at first, I honestly sort of turned from God in that and just wondered, how how does that fit in with my idea of you love God, you serve God, and you get what you want? I mean, I felt like faithfulness was tied into that. And so that was really a hard switch for me. And yet God met me in these incredible ways through that. And I would say that sort of has where I go back to grounding my faith was the sense of the presence of God in my suffering that I had never really experienced before. And honestly I had been a little bit bored with the Christian life which sounds so arrogant but just kind of like oh yeah you read the bible and pray like i got that down and didn't really expect much from god besides to bless me and i realized god has so much more for us like mm. his presence is so much better than any of his gifts and i don't think i would have seen that if i if his gifts were taken away weren't taken away and so I'm really grateful for that time in my life, but that was not all the suffering. I was diagnosed with post-polio syndrome, which means eventually I will be a quadriplegic and I'm losing um, use of my arms and my legs. Pretty Some days it's okay. Other days it's pretty major in my life. So that's been tough. I live with pain. And and then uh, I my first marriage ended. My husband left me and my two adolescent daughters for someone else and just single parented and really struggled. And yet God was so good in those times and community was so good for me. Just realizing that God puts us in a body of the body of Christ and they really can be his hands and feet. So yeah, yeah, I've experienced a lot of suffering, but I've experienced that God can be even better in Mm. suffering than he is in the good times because we, we see him, we need him.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, Vanita you wrote this guide really called Helping the Hurting, Practical Ways to Love a Suffering Friend, and you are definitely the one to write this. Um, but, I, you know, I guess I would love to even ask you that question. What made you decide to write this right now?
3: Yeah, well, I wrote this for several reasons. Um, one, even though I've gotten tons of help, when one of my friends is struggling, I still have no idea what to do. Mm. Like, I think, oh my gosh, what should I do? What should I write? I sit in front of these sympathy cards or just get well cards. And I don't even know what to say. And so I thought, and I have, like, I had jotted down for myself, like, these are the things that you do just because I forget, which sounds so crazy. Like I, but I, it was really helpful for me. And so I started writing that. Because people would ask me, like, what should I do? And I would go back to that and say, hey, these are some things that are helpful. And so that's one of the main reasons I did it um, is just to remind myself and to help other people because, you know, I had a friend who's heartbreakingly went through so much suffering last year. Her daughter committed suicide, like lots of really heartbreaking things. And people came alongside of her. And then she texted me like just a little while ago saying a friend of mine lost her husband and I have no idea what to do. Like I'm Mm -hmm. blanking on what to do. And I thought you have been through the fire and yet we easily forget. So that's a main reason And then another reason I wrote it, which is sounds a little strange, but I want to give this I want suffering people to read this and to have the courage to highlight what they'd like and Mm. give it to a friend because sometimes people don't know. And if we have the courage to say, hey, this is what would really help us, I think it would help us feel heard and seen. And it would help our friends know how to care because a lot of times people don't do things because they don't know what you want and they're afraid of making a mistake. And so those are really the main reasons I wrote it is a tool for people who want to help and a tool for people who want to be helped and don't really have the words to to talk about it.
1: That's that's great, Vinita, uh, And you're going to stay with us, thankfully, where we could talk about what do we do, say, how do we help when people close to us are suffering? But I just would love to hear what are one or two things that we should not do that people regularly let's start with the negative. What should we not be doing, but that we often do do when we're trying to love and help somebody who's hurting?
3: Yeah, I would say one thing not to do is say at least if your sentence is going to start with at least you need to stop like at least you could have another child or at least it wasn't this bad because that's minimizing. And I often do it because I think it's going to make somebody feel better, but it never does. Mm. It's basically saying this isn't that bad. And when you're in the midst of suffering, you want someone to say, wow, this is so hard because you want to feel seen. And so at least is one of those things that I didn't realize till people said it to me how hurtful it was. Um, and they were trying to help. And also, I think talking too much and trying to get people to feel better right when you're talking to them. I think we all want to be sort of the person who comes in and says the right thing. But the right thing is actually just listening and saying, mm. how are you today? How can I pray for you? This is hard. That's really all people want from us and their suffering. They don't want perfect theology. They don't usually want our theology or our words of wisdom. They just want our presence. Mm. So I think talking too much is a big thing. Uh, And I do it all the time still. So (laughs) all of these things I'm saying, I do. So I'm not like judging people. I'm just trying to tell people what I've done. Maybe you can not do them yourself. Sure, sure. That's great.
1: Vanitha Reisner, uh, she's the author of a book called Walking Through Fire, a memoir of loss and redemption. And we're talking to her about a new guide that she put out called Helping the Hurting, a really practical guide, uh, about how to love a suffering friend. If you want to request a free guide, uh, you can go of Helping the Hurting, go to vanitha.com slash helping, V-A-N-E-E-T-H-A. That's vanitha.com slash helping. We're thrilled that Vanitha is going to stay with us. What are the top one or two things that we should do uh, as we're reaching out and trying to love uh, people who are suffering in our lives?
3: Yeah, great question. I would say the number one thing is just show up. And Mm. that sounds so easy. And if you live far away, it doesn't mean like get on a plane and show up necessarily, although it could. But it is call, check in and showing up at somebody's door can be a huge gift to them because it's hard to sometimes set a time. And if you just show up and say, hey, if this is a bad time, I can totally leave. But if this is a good time, I'd love to come in and sit. And I always say, if you're going to show up, brownies or salty snacks are always just pretty welcome (laughs) in my home. So, you know, or something healthy and homemade if, if you are, you know, good at that. But I think just something simple, you don't have to show up with a huge set of um, ideas of what you want to share. You just need to be there because people just want presence in their suffering. I mean, I love the fact that even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wanted his disciples there. Like we want people around us. They don't need to say anything. I mean, Jesus said, just watch and pray. So just be there, silently pray with them, or pray with them out loud or silently. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing. And and kind of the second thing is just to listen, Mm. just to just to be there and listen and let people talk i think counselors offices are teeming with people cuz we all want to be listened to and i think we often just don't take the time we are in a hurry for people to feel better and we don't when we want to offer advice and we don't want to hear their heart and so i would say just take the time hear their heart let them pour it out without judgment uh i think One of the lessons I've learned from the book of Job is like, let people pour out their hearts. You see his friends just wanting him to understand and feel better and listen to them. And all he really wants is somebody to be there.
2: Mm. Oh, Vanita, that's so true. It's so good. For, um, For people who are following your guide, one of the things that you do talk about is pointing people who are suffering to Jesus without preaching. I wonder if you might give us some practical examples of what that could look like.
3: Yeah, I think pointing people to Jesus without preaching is often telling them our own story without kind of throwing Bible verses out at them. I remember at my son's funeral, somebody said, you're going to be okay with this. You know, Romans eight twenty eight, which is all things work together for good for those mm. who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And I love that verse, but but I don't like to be quoted that verse. And so I think
2: yeah, wow. to point
3: people to Jesus without preaching is not trying to hit them over the head with verses that of perfect theology. But I think if you want to share verses, I like to share what's been helpful for me. Like Psalm 23, which most people know Um is hugely helpful even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me and so i think sharing what god how god has met you people are really open to hearing that but telling them how god is going to meet them feels like a mini sermon so i would mm. say don't do that another way is to lament with people lament is such a powerful thing and i have a really close friend with als that we lament with her regularly, or we have, um, which is going through a scripture like Psalm 142 or Psalm 13 and just reading a few verses and lamenting and offering the fact that this is hard and it's okay to complain to God. And I think that balances our trust in God is saying we trust Him enough to complain and and know that he cares and groans with us. And I think that balance is really important in suffering for people is, mm. is the truth about God and the care of God, which I think sometimes we forget in our, in our attempt to make people think about suffering in the way we think they should.
1: Yeah. And Vanita, I'm interested to know what your, um, history was with this because presence is so important right like to be present as you said but oftentimes people who are hurting want to be alone right yes. they don't want people around them how do you navigate that do you just kind of say no you need me here i'm talking somebody really close to you right like not yeah uh, somebody goes do you kind of still force your weight like going i know they need people around them or do you respect their desire to be alone what what did you need and what do you uh, suggest to people right there
3: oh that's a great question brian i think you don't force your way in, like you know. They, you you definitely wait. But I think if you show up, what you say is, "Hey, this might be a really hard time for you, and I can just leave this. But if you want me to come in, I'd love to do that too. Feel free to do whatever feels comfortable, and also say." if I do come in, you don't need to talk to me. Like, I'm happy to just sit in the corner, which I had a friend do after Paul died. She would come over and I didn't really want to talk, but she would just come in and say like, hey, let me straighten up your kitchen. And then if I wanted to say something, she was there to listen, but I didn't need to make conversation. And so I really appreciated that. But I think you, some people don't want people and you don't want to make people have you there if they don't want you there. So I think just... Continuing to offer though, if they say no one time, I think that doesn't mean no forever. So I think Mm. the week, hey, maybe you you still would rather be alone. Totally respect that. But I have some time this week I'd love to come by. And offering specific things and times is really helpful because it gives people the freedom to say yes or no and continuing to offer. Because sometimes people might say no three times and we think they don't want us. Right. And you can say, hey, if you never want me to do this, I won't. But I might check in with you every few weeks if that's okay. And I think most people really welcome that because we don't want to be forgotten.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, Vinita, I, I'm thinking of our listeners who, you know, maybe they want to be that friend to someone who's hurting. But I think sometimes the fear is I'm going to make it worse by bringing it up or I'm going to just add, you know, I'm going to kind of add fuel to the fire of grief if, if I mention it or if I show up or if I do these things you're talking about. Can you help kind of correct that mindset.
3: Yes, it's so funny. We all think that the person will remember it if we bring it up, well, they've not forgotten it. Mm-hmm. And you know, people were people are hesitant to bring up the name of somebody who's died whereas the person is like longing to hear people remember them. That person's name is precious to them. So I think I've never known anyone to say, like, don't mention their name. If they do say that, then clearly you want to respect that because maybe it is too painful for them to hear it. But most of the time people want to hear it and they haven't forgotten. And just acknowledging their loss, whatever it is, whether it's the death of someone or just their own health struggles or whatever it is, just acknowledging like, wow, this has got to be hard. And I want to be here for you. And, and the question I love is, how are you doing today? Not how are you doing? Because people don't know how to answer that. But the very specific, like, what's going on today? Everybody can quantify that. So I think just having people be seen and heard and asked, how are you, is just a huge gift in their suffering, no matter what they're dealing with.
1: That's so helpful. If you want more of that, we'd encourage you to go get the free guide, Helping the Hurting, that Vanitha put out called Helping the Hurting. You can go to vanitha.com slash helping. That's Vanitha, V-A-N-E-E-T-H-A, vanitha.com slash helping. You can also learn more about Vanitha and her books at vanitha.com and connect with her on Twitter at Vanitha Reisner. That's at Vanitha Reisner. Vanitha, thank you so much for sharing your story and for for creating this resource. I'm sure it's going to be really helpful. Thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we're so thrilled that you're with us today. Um, You know, Brian, you and I are pastors. We end up talking a lot about the church, but I think this is a conversation for anyone in church ever. And really the question that I want to, I don't know, somehow approach (laughs) is how can we get better at listening to the sins that people struggle with while still welcoming them, Mm -hmm. right? This is maybe that sort of age old love the sinner, hate the sin conversation. I don't really know, but I'm bringing this up and I'll, then I'll let you talk, Brian. Um, there was an article at Christianity today about, um, a group of Christians called side B Christians, which is same sex attracted believers, but who are not practicing their homosexual relationships. Okay. Okay. So they're, um, choosing either celibacy or some other outlet. and, and, the conversation was really about like there's a place in Orthodox conservative churches for side B Christians. And it did, it got me thinking about that, but also other things that we sort, other sins or other sort of hot topics that maybe we just don't, I don't know, we don't touch or yeah. like that's the sin that's too far and we won't welcome that person with loving arms. And I don't know, this is, a, this is obviously a big conversation, Brian, but I I wondered from your perspective, not even as a pastor, just as a Mm -hmm. friend, okay? Friend comes to you and there's some big sin that they're struggling with. I mean, let's say adultery because that's one of those ones that we're like, no, 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 no. And how do you go about loving, welcoming that person?
1: Yeah. So it's a friend of mine that makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, But... Here's what makes it hard because whether you're talking about something like adultery Aubrey or whether you're talking about something like same-sex attraction or whether you're talking about whatever it is there comes a point where, where I need to feel the freedom to my friend to say hey what you're doing is wrong. Right. I don't believe right. that that's okay. And that could be that could end the conversation right yeah. there. That could that could divide it. But yeah. what the posture I want to then take as a friend or even as a pastor mm-hmm. is to say but that doesn't discard this person. Yeah, this does not do yeah. away with their value. Yeah. Uh, God is still at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a sinner. See, but sometimes we use the "I am a sinner" as the like. So therefore, they can do whatever they want. And, <laughs>
2: right, right. Right. Like
1: there's a there's a middle ground there somewhere. The yeah. you know, look at the speck in your you know before you. I tell you about the speck in your eye. Look at the log mm-hmm. in my own eye. Like that is true. It never tells me. Don't then point out the speck in your eye. Yeah, it's, but it's done in relationship, and so. All that to say, I I think it's important for us within relationship to still speak truth to one another. But oftentimes we speak truth from an arrogant spot that says, mm. so therefore, I'm better than you. And therefore, God could never use you or God could never, um, you know, uh, redeem this situation. Yeah. So what would I tell a friend who's coming to me and they're in an adulterous relationship? I'd say, stop.
2: Mm, yes.
1: Like, that's not OK. Right. Uh but if they were like, do you still love me? I'd be like, absolutely. Right. Like, I still love you. And right. I, it doesn't change who you right. are to me. It might over time. But, like, but I do want to also have the conversation, this isn't okay.
2: Yeah, like you can't keep doing this. Right, this yeah. isn't
1: okay. Uh, as a pastor, I do think that we have to hold out, again, there's a middle ground here. If somebody comes to me as a pastor and they're in an adulterous relationship, whatever, should I still let them lead within my church? No. Right. Is there a pathway Towards restoration and rest and being restored, yes. So yeah. I I I don't yeah. want I want to say yeah. churches can't say you can never serve. Churches also can't say oh you start serving next week. Don't worry about it. Right. You know, love the sin. I hate the sin. The, love the sinner. Right. Right. There's there's processes here though. There's mm. there's there's hard work. There's repentance that, that needs to be done. So I I know I talked for a while there. I think it's yes it's it's hate the sin love the sinner. But when that actually plays out, it's really messy yeah. because. Hating the sin means we need to speak truth to our friend right. because by connection, I would be saying if you're sinning, I, I that's that's to your detriment. Yeah. And so as a friend, I want to yeah. say, Aubrey, that's that's bad for you. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to say, but God still loves you. Like, yeah. let's keep in there. And so that's kind of how it would go. How about yourself?
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that seems so like almost common sense, but. The reality is I do feel like a lot of churches send messages that, you know, you're not welcome here, If the, especially certain sins, right? Like yes. I think we sort of highlight those as the like, and I don't even know if we mean to, but maybe even in our not talking about those yeah. things, we inadvertently send the message like, oh, if this is your particular struggle, you're not welcome here. That's and right. we don't really want to. This Going back to this article about Side be Christians at Christianity Today, this is by Becca Mason. She's talking, she says this. She says, uh, this, is, this is a sometimes tense relationship between the evangelical church and the LGBTQ, mm-hmm. LGBTQ community. Um, she's talking about a friend of hers. And she says, he and I are involved in another community called Revoice, which mm. is part of a growing minority of Christians who desire to be honest about both our experiences of attraction, but also our steadfast commitment to live in obedience to the sexual ethic presented in the Bible as God's design for all people regardless of attractions or orientation. So I think this is what's fascinating about this revoice community, which sounds Mm. like a very cool space. It's a place where people can be honest. This is my struggle. This is my attraction. And in it, I'm still desiring to honor God and to make a different choice. And I wonder if there's a way that the, the rest of the evangelical church could create a space like that, where people could feel like, yes, I am where's the safe space to say I'm struggling with pornography? Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with lying. I'm struggling with, um, overspending. I'm struggling. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of things. Right. Um, but I desire to live differently. It's almost like we're afraid to just be like, here's my struggle because mm-hmm. then you feel like you're going to be pushed back. And we all know that's not, we, we don't want to treat each other like that. We know that's not God wants. And so, I don't know. I don't know the answer, but it seems like we have to get better as Christians at being willing to hold yeah. each other's sin struggles while still welcoming. But like you said, also not just being like, oh, do whatever you want. Like it's not carte blanche, do whatever you want.
1: I think one it's of the answers here, I think the most important words you brought up for our own personal lives, but also when we're in relationship with other people is the word struggle. Mm. If, there's a big difference, Aubrey. If somebody comes to me as a friend, as a pastor, whatever, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm struggling with this sin, I don't want this yeah. to be part of my life, versus I'm living in this sin, but I'm good with it. Good and I think you're, those are two very different postures. I think struggle, you're at the spot right there where you can be in prayer with that person, yeah. and you can be this, and yeah. talk about your own struggles. Struggles implies. It's a negative. I don't want to do this. Good point. Good point. Uh, Embracing is where there becomes a problem, and where I think all too often, like, oh, just, you know, love the sin, love the sinner, hate the sin. Well, if they're loving the sin, that's a problem. Right. And so I I think that's the important word, as you were talking, is that idea of struggle. Mm. Is it seen as a struggle? Is it, I want to repent? Well, I'm going to run with you in that. I'm going to be there. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. If it's, Ah, I'm doing this and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good with it. I'm fine. We're probably either going to have words with each other. We're going to have some tension yeah. or we might break over it yeah. depending on how bad it is.
2: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, it's certainly a, it feels like it shouldn't be complicated, but I do feel like this call to love God and love neighbor. This is how we're like, we're loving mm-hmm. real neighbors with real sin struggles. And so even as we, I don't know, think about the best ways we've been loved by people in our own sin struggles it is certainly a way that we can get better at loving others. Mm-hmm. And, um yeah seeing seeing people who are willing to open up about their struggles as assets and not as threats that's the heart of this article I think that's the heart of who we need Amen. to be as church leaders Well Brian you might be surprised by what we're going to talk about next what was the most searched word on Bible Gateway of 2021 find out when we return You're listening to the Common Good on AM 1160 Hope for Your Life Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, alongside my co-host Brian Fromm, and we're so glad that you're with us. Brian, this time of year, people like to give their sort of top... Like uh, best songs of the year or most searched phrases of the year or best mm-hmm. movies of the year. Like I like when all these lists start to come out. You I, and me both. I certainly hope I see known on one of these lists. I
1: don't know yes. what list will be, but. Best Aubrey Sampson books yes. of the year.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Created by Aubrey Sampson. Yeah. What are the number one <laughs>
1: Aubrey Sampson released book this year?
2: <laughs> yes. I hope that list goes out into the world. It might be by me, but we'll see. Um, so interestingly, I was over at religionnews dot com and um they were sharing the fastest growing search term on Bible Gateway in twenty twenty one. If you don't know what Bible Gateway is, you can go to BibleGateway dot com and it's it's basically a Bible you can read, but there's devotions, there's commentaries, there's articles. It's sort of like an all things Bible website. Really, really helpful. And Brian, you know, before we reveal what the most searched term on Bible Gateway in 2021 was. Do you have any guesses?
1: Um, hmm. I would guess that it is something um, struggle-related, COVID-related. Yeah. I would guess it is something like uh, hope, something okay. like comfort, uh-huh. something like heaven. I would guess it's one of those words, something that – That takes us out of the struggle and Mm -hmm. gives us some hope.
2: So I would have thought something similar, like worry, anxiety, hope, like something Mm -hmm. like that. But this is very interesting. The most searched term on Bible Gateway in 2021 is sorcery (laughs) or sorceries. There was an increase in the word by 193%,
1: Wow!
2: um, which is so fascinating here's what the article says and that doesn't appear to be because witchcraft is increasingly becoming mainstream even trendy which apparently it is um but it has something to do with the greek word which i can
1: I- tell what that word's going to be
2: okay what do you think it is brian
1: I mean, it sounds like pharmaceutical. Right. I think this is going to be vaccine related
2: vaccine related. Wow. Yes, this is the employment of any drugs for any purpose, sorcery, magic or enchantment. Isn't that this
1: is fascinating?
2: Fascinating.
1: I don't know if other people think this is crazy, but the word appears in Galatians five nineteen through 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft hatred discord and it keeps going but you got the word there and then revelation 18:23 reads in part by your magic spell all the nations are led astray so apparently people are searching as they are either wrestling with whether to get the vaccine they're asking what does the bible say mm-hmm. about the vaccine uh this, uh, you could have given me a hundred guesses and I would not have guessed. I this. would
2: never have guessed this either. I, apparently part of this is because there are some charismatic Christians and evangelical Christians who really are opposed to the vaccine. And there are. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that before, Brian. <laughs> I have not heard of these yeah. people. Yeah. Um but perhaps most prominently a woman named Sherry Tenpenny so she's an osteopathic doctor she's a longtime anti-vaccine activist oh, she appears on I've never seen her on TV before I hadn't heard of her until I was reading this article but she really took aim at pastors priests rabbis church leaders who closed their churches closed their houses Close their temples during the height of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and again, she kind of used this scripture and this word pharmakeia, pleasing the pharmakeia, the sorcerers. No doubt, she says. So, I this is interesting to me that this is sort of where some of the anti vaccine rhetoric comes from is the belief this is somehow witchcraft, sorcery, evil. And I don't know where I've been, but I had never put that together.
1: I had never. Heard this whatsoever. I uh Danny gokey apparently, of uh of singing Fame, American Idol, and others, he referenced it in a tweet, uh, in a series of tweets linking COVID-19 vaccines to the mark of the beast. Uh man, okay, I'm 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 at a lot. I'm like reading this as we go. It's just yeah. craziness. Yeah. Aubrey, I think we gotta speak to the bigger picture, though, here. This feels problematic. Mm-hmm. This feels troublesome. Uh you and I have both shared. Uh, somebody was asking me the other day, a friend of mine was saying, what do you guys kind of believe at the show? I said, Aubrey and I are both vaccinated and we're not a big fan of vaccine mandates. And mm-hmm. We're kind of where we land right now. Yeah. And by not a big fan, I think we're against them. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think we land where a lot of people land. But Aubrey, what would you what what does it tell you? Uh, that the most, now uh, people need to understand this isn't the most searched as much as it's the most, uh, it's the one that's gone. It's the fastest growing. growing a th- Good
2: point. That's a good, the that's most, a good
1: point. Uh, yeah. the most searched terms still remain unchanged from last year. Love and peace. I love it. And, uh, but what do we make of this? What do we make of this? Because I know you and I have both struggled with the, uh, the vaccine is the mark of the beast yes. and people who've taken it to that level crowd. We've really, as pastors and as people who have been vaccinated, I think it's safe to say that you and I have both really struggled with that line of thinking and this yeah. is some more data that says listen there's right. a lot of people not just searching this out but believing this yes. and so I don't know what do we do with that
2: uh, <laughs> I don't know I think it's really complicated I do feel like this is sort of the like worst of the blending of like misinformation Nationalism is in there, and somehow Christian faith is in there. Like I think that's what's maybe interesting to me. Is I mean, let's give Sherry Tenpenny and her followers the benefit of the doubt. There is, I think, a desire to honor God. Like they don't want to give in to sorcery mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. evil or you know the the mark of the beast. None of us do, but I think um, it's a it's a misunderstanding of scripture it's a misunderstanding of the vaccine. It's a, it's false information. And it is sad to me that many, many people are blindly following this. It's one thing not to get the vaccine because you just don't want to, or before your conscience, you can't. It's another thing to say it's the mark of the beast, which is just frankly, not good theology and not biblical and not scientific. And, it, but it's complicated and layered, Brian, and I and I don't know. I, I realize I end up sounding judgy, and I don't know even how to get beyond my own sort of like, you're crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: that's I, not helpful.
1: I think the... We have... Uh, now my turn to make people mad i think we need to get beyond over spiritualizing <laughs> mm. uh, things like the vaccine things yeah. like coven you might be out there going no way man like our our, our struggle is against not against the flesh and blood mm-hmm. but again okay i understand it i've yeah. preached it yeah uh, i think the conversation needs to move to is the vaccine helpful is it dangerous should you have to get it should you not have yeah. to get it like those are helpful conversations asking I get very uncomfortable when people throw Mark of the Beast around things that they just don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, And then other people, you know, we've all heard this guy's the Antichrist, this woman's the Antichrist. Well, that's not helpful because it it is done for a purpose, right? It's done for a purpose to scare people. Yeah. And so what I would say here is let's get this off of the are we in the middle of the book of Revelation because of a vaccine? Yeah. And get instead to hey, how do we start living together in this age of COVID? For some people who think vaccines are absolutely necessary and other people who mm-hmm. will absolutely not get yeah. the vaccine, yeah. how do we live together? How do we worship together? Yeah. How do we live on mission together? Yeah. How do we do this without kind of going, okay, if you do this, you're going to hell. No, if you right. do this, you're going to hell. Like that's, I just don't find that helpful.
2: No, it's it's not helpful. I think you're exactly right. We, ha- we have to move beyond this kind of conversations where we're really, I mean, it's really anti-gospel too. And begin to walk in this new world that we're living in with honor and respect for the other. And, and anyway, it, that was intriguing. Very interesting. The most search word or the most increased search word. That's right sorcery well all right we're gonna we're gonna turn things brian as we return and do one of our favorite things we're not going to talk about sorcery no we're not maybe we will <laughs> we're going to talk about a different kind of magic ba-dum-bum, Christmas
1: magic <laughs> you gave yourself the <laughs> I
2: don't, am I allowed to do that yeah. <laughs> all right you're listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co host Brian Fromm, and it's Friday. You know what that means. It is one of our favorite things to do, and that is to have a top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Brian, I don't know about you, but um, it's December, so I feel like all of our top five lists have to be Christmas or holiday themed,
1: so I'm period. Not, I am not willing to sign on to oh, always, such a has grinch. to, must be, but such no, no, grinch. no, 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 hear me out. I'm okay, okay with that being our goal.
2: Okay, okay, I'll i don't want people
1: it. mad when we do, okay. you know, top five fast food cheeseburgers. <laughs> Whoa.
2: Wow, right? At How now, are we not right doing now. that one? We've got to do that in the future, okay.
1: <laughs> Today's
2: top five list it is christmas themed it is top five christmas
1: songs this this is is... any christmas song yeah
2: so we you can go carol you can go secular you can go silly you can go serious brian what's your number
1: five and you can also do specific i didn't but you could be like i like this song by this person yes or just the generic song mine are all somewhat generic i feel good about my list number five and you guys will have to, if if I get a wrong title, you'll have to okay. help me out here. Yep. But number five, I went with It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. Such a great song. That one really gets That's you in a the good Christmas song. mood.
2: Do you have a certain person you like singing that, or you're just open to
1: whoever? I am open to whoever, but you know who I'm a big fan of at Christmas time, including this song, Michael Buble. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere you go.
2: Yes, Michael Buble's Michael version of totally. It's Beginning to Look Like Christmas is on my list as well.
1: Totally off the subject. But, yeah. Buble? Uh, 15 years ago. Yeah? Uh, I took my wife <gasps> to see Michael Buble nice. in Milwaukee. So her, that's where her parents live. Oh, so we cool. dropped... Madeline was a baby. That's yeah. how long She's now 18. Wow. We dropped her off and we went out to dinner. We went to Michael Buble. It was great. Like it was... A, I bet it was, was an amazing concert. It was. Yeah. But as a man in the audience... <laughs> The amount of swooning by the women in the audience towards Michael Bublé was uncomfortable, and it made me look at my wife a couple times and be like, "We good? We good?
2: You still love me? <laughs> yeah, I could see that happening for sure. He yeah. knew it too. Yeah, like yeah, like, oh. he knows. He knows what
1: he's working with. It was actually with. really yeah. good. It was good. All right, that's my number five. Okay. What's yours? All
2: right, my number five is um, a song called "Christmas Time in Harlem" by Louis Armstrong.
0: Oh, come on now, every in and Joe. Read your sweet miss the mistletoe with the kiss and a high
2: christmas time I'm in harlem
1: it's so good it's so catchy this, no keep going yeah no
2: i'm done there I'm so, <laughs> i love it i listen to it all the time it okay. is one of my faves all right
1: number four is going to be one of my it looks like i have well this is one of my more traditional christmas carols
2: okay okay
1: i went with Hark the Herald, Angel Sing. That's a good
2: one. Because
1: especially when you're a kid, do you remember? You didn't really grow up as church as I did, but do you remember when you're singing "Hark the Herald" and and like you're trying to? It's almost like a competition to see if you could do that whole long is, note. Is in "Hark one. the
2: Herald"? The one that says in excelsis Deo, yeah, I then, remember thinking eggshells. Like, And
1: then it says Gloria for really yeah.
2: long. And are just like,
1: ah, you're like yeah. I'm good. I'm good. That's so uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or it might just be called Hark the Herald. But that is my number four. Well
2: done. All right. My next one is actually a Christmas carol, too. An okay. oldie butty goodie. We sang it on Sunday at Renewal Church. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Oh, I do like
1: that beautiful. one. beautiful. Oh, I almost feel like that should have gotten on my list, but I did not put it on you my list. You can do an honorable no, mention no, no, if I you feel you like not, it. Noah. Okay. All right. All right. That's my number four. Oh, I do like that one. That was a good choice. Yeah. Thank you. A good one. Thank you. All right. Number three, a little bit off uh, the, the beaten path mm-hmm. here. Uh, not really, but you're not going to sing this one in church, I don't think. Always have enjoyed The Little Drummer Boy. Oh, that's
2: a good song. That's that is a, a good, solid song.
1: Especially when you try to figure out... How do we say the part where he's playing? Is it rum pum 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 rum, pum. pum? Is it pum, pum pum? Like is it all p's or an r in there? Good question. Uh, yeah, rum
2: pum 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 pum. Yeah, I haven't thought about that before. The
1: newborn king. Yeah, to that is sing a good one. Rum pum pum. Yeah, we should do like,
2: a common good carol sing along nope, or something. Okay, all right. My uh, number three is your number five. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and I do love Michael Bublé's version of it. It's yes. just like swoony swoon worthy it's swoon-y. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's Ryan. good number two all right
1: we're flying here number two i kind of wish i remembered okuma come manual. i kind of might be have kept but i'm not going to i'm going to stick with my original list okay number two God rest ye merry gentlemen
2: Oh, now that's one I haven't thought about in a while. Yeah, sing it for God me. rest ye merry gentlemen let nothing Okay, there's a funny thing about Name God rest merry ye
1: merry okay, on Christmas, Christmas day. day. <laughs> wow,
2: our listeners love
1: this. <laughs> no, they've left.
2: I I did read a funny thing. I think it might have even been a YouTube version of where is the comma in God rest ye merry gentlemen? So
1: there was just a video put out. Is about that what that. I'm it's thinking so of? So funny. Yeah,
2: cuz it is a good I mean, it's a kind of a strange you say, God, uh-huh. rest ye, merry gentlemen. Right.
1: Or God rest ye, merry gentlemen. <laughs> or,
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. All right, that's a good one. God rest ye, merry gentlemen. Okay, wow, we're already at number two. I feel I will say I have a little bit of Christian guilt because number two should be number one.
1: But it's not Christian.
2: But it's, yeah. Well, no, number two is the Christian one. Number one isn't. So you hear what I'm saying? Like, I probably should have made this number one, but I didn't. But I do love this do, song. And can I
1: remind you that Jesus is the reason for the season, please? <laughs> Might I remind <laughs> you, you of that important part You're here?
2: Right. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> do not switch them. <laughs> Better check myself before I wreck myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stick to your guns.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, number two is Oh Holy Night.
1: It's gonna show up as my number one. Here oh, the you're but better than Go ahead, Christian tell me why. Me. Tell me why.
2: Oh, it's just beautiful and it's a song about justice. It's a song about Jesus. It's so and it's like dramatic like only a really good singer can sing Oh Holy Night. You know, it's just so it's so powerful.
1: That's my number one. So okay. my number one answer to what is my favorite song? Yeah. Although we will have to discuss. There's one that I would maybe want to put in here, but okay. it feels a little different. Okay, uh, my number one song is "Oh Holy Night." I love that. There's that's so good. Like, I feel like "Oh Holy." I love "Silent Night" at the end of the uh, candlelight service. Yes, that's I'm, always I, know, nice. I saw they did that at Wheaton Bible yep. when you were there the it other was day. Beautiful. But uh, the song, Oh, Holy Night, li- it actually literally gives me chills every mm. time. You know, th- Oh, I just love that song. So, yes. Do you have
2: a favorite version of it?
1: I did not know there were multiple versions of it. Well, I mean, different oh, singers. No, I don't. Yeah. This is not one where I'm like, oh, I love You're it. You're just by like, this it's person. on, I'm turning it up. So after I said all the gravity, it would have been like, I just love the depth of that song. And then it's yeah. sung by like Mariah Carey <laughs> or Justin Bieber or whatever. <laughs> I'm a believer. So all right, what's your number one? Okay, my number one. What's your heathen song? It's my heathen (laughs) song. It's
2: have yourself a merry little Christmas. It's so beautiful. From kids to one to ninety two.
1: That is good. It is good. I do also love love So that's our top five list, but I do love um, what is the one from the Grinch who stole Christmas? Where Mm -hmm. are you Christmas?
2: Oh yeah. Was like, Where are you, Christmas? Yeah. That one's kind of sad. That one's really it sweet. Is. Yeah.
1: And then you I and thought I, you were going to
2: say the Grinch. I'm like, the song uh, is like the Grinch. <laughs> you and
1: I are as uh, both Wheaton grads, mm-hmm. and so before the last chapel before Christmas break every year, the entire student body would sing the Hallelujah chorus. How do you
2: remember this stuff? Your memory of our time at Wheaton is like, hold on a second, pristine.
1: It's the Hallelujah Chorus. It's what we all did. I mean, I the feel last like chapel I before Christmas. remember
2: doing that one time, but we were in college a long okay. time ago, Brian. I'm to you to do
1: something. Okay. I want you to go home tonight. Okay. We're going to assume that your husband has not listened to the show. Okay. I want you to go, Kevin. He's a Wheaton grad. Yes. we yes. class together. You've been out the same amount of time. Yes. I want you to say, so Kevin, do not even hint to him. Okay. The chapel before Christmas, last chapel before Christmas, what did we do? Okay. And I, th- I will bet see you he what will get he it right. says. I will guarantee you, if I ask my wife that, she will get it right.
2: I think I might have been too much of a chapel skipper, Brian. I think that's oh, the confession. We will discuss of, that at some point. All of I
1: barely, I barely entered the chapel my senior year. But you, but you know, <laughs>
2: well, sometime we'll sing the Hallelujah course for you. Okay, so tell us your favorite Christmas songs. What did we totally miss? I'm sure there's some out there. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with?
1: Neither of us put in Christmas shoes. <laughs> So that should tell you we'll
2: something. We'll have to do a list part, too. <laughs> All right. Well, you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.